Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. Well, welcome to Christian Chapel as we celebrate Good Friday together. If you're our guest with us, thank you so much for being with us. Good Friday is that day that, for me, I look back to what the disciples must have felt, those followers of Christ on that very first Friday. For them, it was just Friday. It wasn't good yet. I think about what they must have felt as their story, the story they were anticipating, comes crashing down around them as Jesus dies. And what, the, what that Friday must have been like for them was anything but celebratory. For them, it was mournful. And so today, as we reflect on the death of Jesus and what it means for those of us who today follow Him, believe in Him, identify our lives with Him, we take it in. We apply that meaning to our lives and our hearts, and we mourn because it's our death that we must accept in His death. Christians all over the world, remember this day, this great day of sacrifice and death, something that will in the end be glorious, but today, let's take upon us the weight of all that it means on this Good Friday as we turn our eyes to Jesus. So that's what we do today. We turn our eyes upon Jesus and His cross, His sacrifice, His love. Some of the songs today might be familiar to you, some of them not, but as you read the words, as you listen to the music, enter in to the meaning of this day. For many, Good Friday is just another story, but to those who believe, it is the power of God. To me, to many of us, it's the story. It's really part of one story. From the beginning of time until now, the whole history of God points to one purpose— That God would redeem for himself a people that would be his very own. He would not share us. And that is this story. And the story of Jesus crashes into our story. And in the stories that we'll discover today, really three stops in the journey, three crashed stories. For ultimately this is the day that all stories are crashed. (laughs) Good Friday is the ultimate day of crashed stories. The story these characters were writing was so much more different than the one that Jesus was writing. The disciples could not conceive that Jesus would die. That's not how the story went for them. They couldn't perceive what he was talking about even when he predicted his death. The stories they were writing were so much different, so much more different than what Christ was trying to tell them, what he indeed was writing. This was a crash story in the making. Good 
Once we got to the garden, um, it's, it just got crazy. Um, Jesus asked Peter, James, and myself to go further in the garden with him and pray, and we did. We tried. We kept falling asleep. Um, Jesus kept waking us up. I remember one time he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's true. It's all a blur. Uh, and I think this whole mess got started because of Judas. Did he really think what he was doing was right? There. There he is. He's the one you want. The one praying by himself. Now the others, they will come up and try to create some scene. But the one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. Now 30 pieces of silver, right? That's what we agreed upon. 30 pieces. Forget about the rest. The one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. A kiss? Judas betrays Jesus with the kiss of a friend? Uh, and then it, it got crazy. Uh, Peter, <laughs> Peter grabs a sword and he, he cuts off this guy's ear. And Jesus... Jesus just reached down and picked it up and put it right back on the guy's head as if nothing had happened. And then, um, and then they took him. I'd love to tell you that we fought for him, but we didn't. Everyone ran. I ran. I'm so ashamed. What have I done? What have I done? Was I so stupid to think that... I've killed him. I've killed him. I've crucified Jesus. Jesus' own followers were the first to have their story crashed. Mark 14, verse 50, says it in one sentence, very simply, then everyone fled and deserted him. These were his followers. These were the guys who had invested and dedicated their lives to him. And their stories were crashed in this moment as Jesus is betrayed and, and arrested. How about you? You've committed your life to Christ, you've dedicated your life to serving and following him, and you've invested in him. Has your story ever crashed? Though you've said to Jesus, I'll follow you, you sort of had this story written out in your head how everything would go. And then some tragedy, some circumstance comes along and the story crashes around you. The story didn't go how you, you wanted it, how you thought it, it should or would go. Now think about these disciples and their expectations in this moment. There was the zealots, like Judas, 
Judas wanted a king by force. He wanted a king with power. And he was going to force Jesus' hand. Surely, when Jesus was put in this situation, Jesus would fight back. He would rise up with violence. And he'd overthrow those Romans. If Jesus was truly king, that's what would happen. That's how Judas' story went, but Jesus didn't. How about James and John? They were going to rule this new glorious kingdom of Israel. They were going to have their own thrones to the right and to the left of Jesus the king. They wanted a national king. They weren't expecting a universal savior. And surely not through death. There would be no coup, no regime or social change. There was no going back to the way it was with King David and Peter. <laughs> Peter, so bold and brash. Jesus, you're not going to, de- going to die, and I'm going to make sure of it. What was he thinking in that moment? As he stepped forward with that sword, he was going to make sure the story continued the way he thought it should go. But in that moment, it it all crashed down around them. Perhaps as they were running away, they could hear Jesus' words as he had predicted his death. And they, failing to grasp it. He talked about how he would have to suffer and that he would die. He tried to help them understand that he was going to be a different kind of king. A very different kind than they had thought. Look at the events leading up to this. This triumphal entry as, as the people, even the disciples, declaring him this triumphant king based on a misperception of what they believed the Messiah was going to be. And then they celebrate the Last Supper. And Jesus, even in this moment, predicting and explaining that he was going to die. This is my body. It's going to be broken for you. This is my blood that's going to be shed for you. He's betrayed and arrested in the garden. His disciples scatter. Peter denies him. And they watch as Jesus is beaten. He's crucified. He finally dies. And then there's the burial. The finality of a burial. I don't know if you've ever been to the graveside and the burial of a loved one. But there's a finality of it. Not just standing there with the coffin over the hole in the ground, but as they lower it down. You don't come back from that. The finality they must have felt as their stories come crashing down. It didn't go the way they thought it should have gone. Have you been there? Where everything you ever anticipated, the things that you expected in life and hoped for, suddenly crashed down around you. And for them, they would not get their throne. There would be no throne at all. There would be nothing because the death of Jesus meant the death of their hopes and their dreams and their stories. And even though he had predicted it, They didn't understand it. He didn't just predict it. In fact, he called them to the very cross that he would be crucified on. He called them to take up 
their cross. And he invites us tonight, he really demands tonight that we come and take up this same cross. Jesus invites us in this moment into his death. And so we find ourselves on the journey to the cross tonight. Some of us are the followers. And yet along this journey, there's another stop. And at this stop, we find the bystander. The one who isn't really looking for Jesus. He's he's not running, but neither is he looking. I find it interesting that Jesus' words to his disciples was that they would, he would say this, if anyone wants to follow me, they must take up their cross. And yet the first person to carry Jesus' cross is not a disciple, it's a bystander. A man by the name of Simon of Cyrene. Scripture records in Luke 23. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon of Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind, following Jesus. And that's all it says. A man who was on the journey in for the Passover, for the celebration. A man from Cyrene. Cyrene is part of Libya, North Africa. This man had traveled a long ways. A pilgrimage. But he was a bystander. Maybe you can identify with a bystander. Jesus doesn't bother me. I don't bother him. Like Simon, I am here to do my religious obligations. I'm ambivalent. I'm neutral. I have positive thoughts towards Jesus. He's he's okay with me. And oftentimes we think of ourselves in terms of I'm okay. I'm good. I haven't done really anything wrong. I'm a pretty good person. And this is Simon of Cyrene. This bystander coming in from the country. He's on his way in to fulfill his religious obligations. He's on his way to church. Don't bother me with Jesus. He's there to perform his task. I don't doubt that his heart was in the right place for he was coming for the Passover feast. And he may not even have heard of Jesus or or known of Jesus and all the things he had done. Having traveled such a great distance, who knows if he'd ever heard of Jesus. And Simon was coming in so that he could be found righteous and his sins atoned for. And Jesus was going out. He was being led out to be crucified. He was being taken out as a criminal. And here, Simon's story is crashed by none other than Jesus Christ. A moment of decision to carry the cross or to not carry the cross. This moment, his story crashes when everything he knows about who God is 
and the Messiah he'd been anticipating, suddenly he's met in this moment. He hadn't anticipated meeting a savior, a king, his Messiah in that moment. And if he carries the cross, if he even touches the blood, he would break the law. He would forfeit the moment that he had come for to make atonement for his sin. He wouldn't be able to participate in the Passover. If he touched the blood, he wouldn't be able to be found righteous. And if he disobeyed the guards, he could receive a beating or worse, he could find himself on a cross. If he would want to find his life, he would lose it. But if in this moment he loses his life for the sake of Christ, indeed he would find it for when he picks up the cross, little does he know the blood that covers him is the blood that makes atonement once and for all for his sins. He would never have to make that journey again to the temple to make that sacrifice. If he would but take up the grace found in this blood and identify with the cross, he would be covered. He would share in Christ's sufferings. Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes it this way. But whatever were my gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Those who would follow Jesus must take up their cross. He who would lose his life would find it. He who takes Christ's abuse and identifies with him. Perhaps you find yourself identifying with Simon tonight. I was going into the city to celebrate the Passover, and he... He was being let out of the city as a Passover lamb. But we didn't we didn't understand that. Um when I got to Jerusalem, it wasn't what I expected. There was like ten times more people there than the last time that I'd, I'd been there to celebrate Passover and it just seemed like the whole city was angry like just, just mobs of angry people and all of a sudden this 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 guard, the soldier he, he grabs me and I mean, he literally just pulls me out of the crowd and he says for me to carry this guy's cross If, if this guy's blood gets on me, it's, it stains me, and I, I, can't, I can't celebrate the Passover. That's the whole reason I was there. 
It was hard to see the man through the blood. And then our eyes met. And I knew this man was not a liar. He was not a, uh, a crazy man with grand ideas. He was, he was the Messiah. I carried um, what I could. But he, uh, he, carried, he carried most of it. We, we, began, we began to walk. I, I, I heard the insults that, that they shouted at him and, and now at me. I felt the spit. I felt his, his blood on me. They'd taken a, a crown made of thorns and then they smashed it on his head and, and, and blood ran into his eyes. They laid him out on a cross and they, they nailed his hands and his feet to it and they, they, they lifted it up And he, he had, he had all of his weight on that one spike through his feet, and he would, he would, he would push up with all of his might and, and gasp for a breath to stay alive. And I, I couldn't watch it. He did that for hours. I couldn't watch it. it and I looked down, and I remember, I remember seeing my hands. My hands were stained with, with his blood, the, the blood that I thought would, would make me unclean. And I realized it's the blood, it's the blood that, that makes me clean. He breathed his last breath, and he died. And that was a uh, that was the day that I helped Jesus carry that was the day that I helped Jesus carry my cross he hung and died on my cross It's in this moment that Simon's story was crashed. And the blood that he hesitated to get on him was the blood that would make him clean. He was a bystander. And yet it wasn't just followers, it wasn't just bystanders whose stories Jesus crashed. The scriptures record for us that it wasn't just good people. It was even guilty people whose stories he crashed. There are two gentlemen 
that are mentioned particularly in the gospel story. The first is Barabbas. Barabbas, a criminal who'd been arrested, recorded in Luke 23, is this. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man, Jesus, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And for the, fir- th- for the third time, he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant them their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. Jesus crashed Barabbas' story. Here's a guilty man. He deserves to die. Yet Jesus takes his place. Even for the guilty, Jesus steps into the story. And Jesus didn't defend himself or fight. But he offered himself. Barabbas knew he had done wrong. And he must have known that Jesus was innocent. But there were other people participating in this guilt that night. The executioners, the guards. And Jesus crashes their story. For when they are crucifying, there's this moment of compassion, Luke 23 records this as well. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. In this moment, these executioners, the ones who would be guilty of killing him, He forgives them. He crashes these stories of these two men, both who are taking lives, who have taken lives, the murderer and the executioner, and both of them are unworthy and both feel the weight of their guilt. Have you been there? You say to yourself things like, I just need to clean up my act, but I can't seem to clean up my act. Yet Jesus comes to us in the dirtiness of our life. Oh, but I still have doubts. I still have issues. I still have sin. I'm still a mess. And yet Jesus still crashes your story. Perhaps you will see yourself in their stories tonight. I crucified Jesus. It's what the crowd wanted and that's what they got. And personally, I don't feel like that man did anything to deserve that, but I was just a soldier doing my job. When the governor gave his sentence, that's when I would go to work. 
I loved that job. I felt like I was administering justice every time I nailed someone to a tree. That man, that man didn't deserve that. Didn't make sense to me. It makes no sense. There I was, rotten in a jail cell, stealing, murdering. You name it, I've done it. And I knew the next time I stepped foot outside that jail cell, well, and that was it. So the guards, they came and got me, and they put me beside this guy that was beaten to a pulp. Then Governor Pilate started asking the crowd, which one of these men do you want me to set free? I mean, it was obvious. I mean, the crowd, they're going to say, let Jesus go. And then I was going to tell them where they could go. And then the crowd, they started chanting Barabbas. I mean, mean, they were saying my name. They were saying my name over and over and over again. The guards, they threw me to the crowd, and they they took Jesus to Golgotha. I mean, mean, one minute, I I am a man marked for death, and then the next, I'm, I'm free. It made no sense. So I followed him all the way to Golgotha. I was stationed at Golgotha that day. We just raised the second criminal when they brought him to me. I'll never forget the way he looked. He'd been beaten, spit on, whipped. He was unrecognizable as a man. Hideous. What was left of his clothes were stripped off of him and he was thrown down on the cross. That's when I went to work. Generally, when you crucify a man... The first hand is the most difficult. The criminal wants to get away. He fights you. So I would have two soldiers hold him down. But this guy, he didn't put up a fight. I just thought he was exhausted. As an executioner, I've been called every name in the book. I've had men yell at me, plead with me. But I wasn't prepared for that. He looked at us. He looked at me. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He forgave me. Forgive them. He said, forgive them. Who is he? Forgive. Should have been me up there. I was the one that was supposed to be hanging on that cross. He took my place. Then I looked up, and I remember he took a uh, deep, agonizing breath, and he said, it is finished. And then, he died. Surely. This man was the son of God. And maybe tonight you see yourself in one of these three stories. The follower, the bystander, the guilty. Or perhaps like me, you see yourself in all three stories. But all of time. 
All of history, all of the scriptures, they point to this one moment. From the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve, in that first moment of defiance, of rebellion, of tyranny against God, even then the way was shown. When an animal was killed so that they could be covered and blood was shed. And you look at Scripture, you see the lamb sacrificed in Egypt so the death angel would pass over. And they covered the doorposts. They didn't just put a little bit. They covered dripping with blood. My debt was paid. He took my place. And I can't decide which it is. Am I a sinner because I sin? Or do I sin because I'm a sinner? Yeah. But in this moment, we get the opportunity to identify with Christ, His cross, His death. To accept what He's done, to believe in the power of, of His shed blood, to forgive my sin. In front of you, you'll find a communion cup. And tonight as we take communion here at Christian Chapel, we believe in open communion. If you are a follower of Christ, the most important thing is that, that you identify with His death, His resurrection, and you have placed your faith in Him. If you've never crossed that line of faith, then this is a great moment for you to identify with Christ in His death, to receive the power of His blood the forgiveness of your sins. And it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took the bread and he told his disciples, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. His brokenness It was for our brokenness. His brokenness, it was what made a way for us back to the Father. It was in the breaking that allowed us to enter in. It was the tearing of the veil, this curtain that separated the temple where the presence of God was and where man was. And when that was torn with the death of Jesus, it allowed us again to enter in to this relationship For all who would believe they could become children of God. And when when Jesus said, remember this, it wasn't recall in your mind. Bring up memory. It was a remembering as identification of who you are and what has been done for you. We remember that tonight. Jesus, we thank you for your broken body. 
this way provided for us, this scandal of grace. You died in my place so that I could receive life again. Let's eat of the bread together. There's power. Power, wonder-working power in the blood. An old hymn says, blood is life. And in the moment that Jesus bled and died for you and me, that blood met the justice of the law for you and for me. What would have required our death is no more. And when we identify with the death of Jesus and we accept his shed blood that covers our sin, our mutiny, our tyranny against the rule and reign of God, it covers all of that. And to those who would repent, those who would turn around, you've been writing your story going one direction and when you repent, You give up the pen and paper and you surrender that to God to allow Him to write your story new, fresh. That's the power of the blood. It's new life. It's new creation. It's not a better you. That person dies when you identify and accept Christ's death. It's a new creation. Father, I thank you for your sacrifice. Jesus, your blood that covers me. That while your broken body allowed me access, I couldn't step in to the throne room of God. I I had access, but I didn't have righteousness. I couldn't stand before you of my own accord, of my own ability. But because of you, Jesus, I can stand covered. My sin atoned for. My debt paid. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And making me new. Let's drink of the cup together. So we heard three crashed stories tonight by the story crasher himself, Jesus. And this idea that the story of Christ intersects with my life and in that moment it's crashed. You cannot long, you can, you cannot walk out of this place tonight not having your story crashed. You've heard the story. It is now intersected with your story and how you choose to walk from this moment is up to you. Do you allow Jesus to enter into your story? Do you allow him to write it? I hope you're never the same because Jesus has crashed your story. For I know what Sunday brings. It's going to be a new day. And I'm thankful for that. 
I hope you'll join us on Sunday morning, 9.30 or 11.15, for one of our Easter services as we celebrate the risen Christ, the ultimate story crasher, and what he did for you and for me when he rose from the dead. That's a little spoiler alert, right? I'm so thankful that you were with us tonight. May I bless you tonight before you go? Jesus, bless your people. For all whom this night choose again, maybe for the first time, maybe again, to believe you, to identify with your story, identify with your death, to take on your cross, to receive forgiveness through your shed blood. Would you bless and would you cause us to go in your peace that passes all understanding. Guard our hearts and our minds as we ponder the meaning of your life and your death as we look forward to your resurrection. It's your name we proclaim, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a great evening. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning. Hey, we are so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information about a deeper relationship with Christ, we would love to hear from you. Simply email nextsteps at c2church.com. 